Hello and welcome to It's a Goddess, the internet's best episode-by-episode Monica Magica podcast, or at least the best one done by three white dudes. My name is Jeremy. I'll stop the world and meld with you. I'm Tyler. My name is Zach, but uh, everybody already knows that. Today we are watching episode 13 of Monica Magica, The Only Magical Girls in the World. People say Monica's only 12 episodes, and I don't know why they say that. Not only is there the movie in the spinoff Magia record anime, which I've started watching and is good. Is it really? We'll have to cover that later, yes. Even Compi, the guy who was always messaging us, when I first mentioned I was watching Monica, he was just like, hey, lots of people stop at episode 12 for some reason. You shouldn't. Make sure you get the 13. I mean, I'm definitely interested to see where they're going to go with this. I mean, I've heard it's like basically a whole new series, but I feel like Doctor Who does that all the time and Monica has the mechanics built in for it, so... Well, I mean, look at what, look at what Double Lot did. Exactly. Or Code Geass. It's kind of the same thing. So yeah, we are watching episode 13. You can watch along on Crunchyroll. Uh, it's weird that the first 12 episodes aren't on Crunchyroll. They're on Netflix, but this one is on Crunchyroll. Funny that. Yeah. We begin with a nice sunset over a beautiful Japanese lake. It's very pretty. Much like. And then we uh, cut to the many, many bridges of Matakihara City. It, it's actually a little weird. These look like normal bridges. These don't look like the normal bridges we see in most of the Madoka series. Uh, it looks like the bridges from the beginning again. And we did just have the whole thing where Madoka became god. There are nowhere so. near enough lights on those bridges, dude. <laughs> also, the moon is red, so this takes place before the movie, I think. Because the moon is full and red instead of half and normal. <laughs> Link, the blood moon is rising. So we cut to Madoka's house, which is just a little more humble than normal, this loop. I mean, this is an average-sized kitchen here. No, this is an average American kitchen, so it's still crazy rich for a Japanese. She has a house in Japan. Do you and I just have really big kitchens then? Because Uh, this seems small. I have a very big kitchen. I mean, you do, but I mean, this doesn't even seem as big as my kitchen, and mine isn't particularly big. Houses in Japan are much smaller than houses in America, was my point. Oh, I guess that's fair. I'm sad we didn't open up on the iconic shot of her, like, doing the bathroom routine again. Yeah, talking to her mom, who sadly is not in this episode. Yeah, it's actually, it's weird, because I feel like all the other loops start in the morning, and this one's happening in the evening. So Monica's doing dishes. Specifically, she's washing a bunch of lunch boxes and staring at the red moon. Apparently, this is before she got her iconic hairstyle, which I gotta say, I'm not a fan of this different hairstyle. I think it's all right. Yeah, I kind of like it's it. It's not bad, but the twin tails really do something for her character design, I think. Yeah, it, do- it makes her look more innocent. Although, again, she did just become a god, so who knows what happened in the interim. So Monica's sister, Tatsuya, who she's always had, comes up and is like, what are you talking about? And she's like, the moon is big and pretty. And she says, that's just your imagination. And wow, you're making a ton of lunches again? You made a ton of lunches. So this was something she did in the morning. Well, yeah, I guess you're right. And she's like, yeah, more people keep asking me to make them for you. Maybe I'm a genius chef. And she's (laughs) like, no, you're talentless. This has been established. People are just using you to get out of paying for lunch. If only you would get in the damn robot, Monica. And and I guess Tatsuya really rips into her. I was like, your lunches aren't even that good. I do really like They're this They're just line. free. Monica's like, you really don't mince words, do you? <laughs> but then Monica realizes, oh no, I left one of my lunches at school. And she runs in the middle of the night back to school to get it. I, I mean, it's closer to wait? dusk, but... I thought Japanese schools like had serious security guards and stuff to stop this even. But Monica is such a, an innocent cinnamon bun. Also, according to Hey Ghost, Let's Fight, I don't think they do have Siri. They have security guards. That's yes. Korea. 
Oh, with, oh that's right. That was Korea. Also, I feel like Madoka could just go up to the security guard and say, hey, I forgot something. Can I go get it? And the security guard would be like, yeah, you're a good kid. You're, you're a cinnamon roll. So we cut to her school, which is slightly Man, they... less fancy than before. Those budget cuts. You gotta. <laughs> this is why you got to vote. I know the tax hikes suck, but you got to vote to support education. Yeah, this is just like a normal looking school here. Do you think she transferred into that other high school? Yeah, I was going to say, we didn't even get the uh, portentous catwalk where all of the homoromotica revelations happen. Or, you know, the, the gothic architecture of the roof. There's not even a church on the roof of this building. No, it doesn't even count. So she finds the lunchbox in her desk with the lunch still in it. So she made a spare and didn't give it to anyone? Or did she not eat lunch? I'm not sure on the logistics of this. I kind of get the feeling that she uh, made a spare and nobody ate it. So she puts it in her bag after sniffing it. And is like, oh, it smells like it's uh, it's uh, still okay. So I won't have to make a new one. I'll just recycle this. Also, they don't have the rad desks in this school. The ones that pop out of the floor. I know, it's almost like they went backwards in technology, and I'm not I sure know. if that means something. Uh, to be fair, in the original anime, they didn't have those either. That was a change for the movies. Then Ma- a labyrinth starts forming. <laughs> well, first, Madoka gets distracted staring at the moon, and then a labyrinth starts forming. And then as she's looking out the window, a freaking Gundam falls into the building. Yeah, this is just the opening of SSSS Gridman, where a <laughs> god looks out the window and it explodes inwards via ro- giant robot. And then we get our opening. I will say, not my favorite opening in Monica. No. Maybe my least favorite. It goes on forever, too. It's not a bad song. In fact, I think the song is pretty good. I mean, it takes a bit of time, but this, this element here with the crystal I kind of like and the reflection of the person's face behind it. Yeah, yeah the- so but apparently in this reboot of the universe, all the magical girls have crystals instead of soul gems. They're basically the well, same Well, I mean, thing. They're, who's to say that that's not the new form of their soul gem? Yeah, yeah. For some reason, if you look at a magical girl through her soul gem, she's crying. <laughs> well, that tracks, actually. <laughs> because magical girl is pain. So we get some shots of people... These magical girls now summoning their new equipment, which is this big-ass mech. I kind of like this as a style. Like, it's not as cool as stopping time. I wish, I hope Homura still has her stopping time power. I've watched this episode already, so I know she doesn't. But giant mechs aren't bad. And Homura gets to have a ninja mech, which is also pretty good. Also, there's, like, ancient Egyptian themes now or something. Like I said, the opening sequence just never ends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that right as the opening sequence ends. Never. I think it's because they kept trying to go through all the, like, hundred characters they shoehorned into this season. So Monica's like, ow, what happened? I'm God, but I don't remember that. I'm very bad at remembering that I'm God. Yeah, that seems to be a theme. It's just because she's got to go in and help somebody else and she can't remember it. But she sees the giant robot outside the giant hole it made in her school, and she is notably concerned. Uh, Then the labyrinth starts expanding all around the town, turning the school into a castle, and turning the houses into ye medieval houses. Yeah, it looks like she like fell into basically like the European countryside circa the 1600s. Then we cut into Kyoko's cockpit. Where she's ordering around her lackeys because she doesn't have friends, but she does have lackeys in this universe. <laughs> that yeah, this, weirdly this tracks, particular actually. track here. So I, I believe this is Suisho and Mommy? Yes. It, for some reason, Mommy is one of her lackeys. I guess this is a reverse of the original timeline where it implied that Mommy trained Kyoko. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Do you think Kyoko could take Mommy in a fight? No. No. Okay. <laughs> I think, other than Madoka, I think Mami is kind of canonically the most powerful of them all. What What about with her love, love spear Nodokin? Kyoko's kind of a 
bitch to her lackeys here. It's be because fair. she hasn't had snacks. Well, she hasn't met Sayaka yet. And we all know that only that gentle mermaid soul can soothe her unicorn heart. Ah, uh, okay, sorry. And, and Tyler's also probably partially right. She doesn't have snacks. She doesn't, she's not snacking at any point during this episode. It was very disappointing. I know. Mommy is also considerably more violent in this one than uh, than she was. Well, maybe she knows what happens to magical girls in this loop. Yeah, we know what that does say. to her. <laughs> <laughs> so we see their giant robots, which are very chibi and expressive. Yeah, they look kind of like SD Gundams, if you're familiar with those designs at all. And Kiyoka's like, I have lackeys, but I still insist on doing everything myself, Bacchus. Accurate, yeah. <laughs> so she summons up like this glaive or battle axe. It's a helping. Yeah, it's, a, it's just a different polearm. And then we cut to the inside of another cockpit where, hey, it's Homura wearing Kakashi's ninja mask and going, <laughs> you cannot defeat me, Kyoko. I really like this outfit design, actually. I do, too. Which causes Kyoko to absolutely go nuts. But then a sweet robot fight ensues. And Homura's a robot is like a imp ninja. It's a very cool with guns kind of cowboy style. It's like a it's got like the black cat ninja gun thing going on so it's kind of all over the place and as much as i'm not a fan of this particular style i kind of think that's rad i will say the sound effects that are playing here seem like really understated and like seem like they're taken out of a generic library of sci-fi sound effects i was kind of disappointed with that while watching this fight also the music is not nearly as on point as it was in the first 12 episodes it's not bad that's that there is a background and it looks pretty nice true they must have got a budget after everybody loved season one. So anyway, Kyoko is about to face first blast Homura's mech into oblivion, but apparently there's enough time to dodge. Well, she is a ninja. She got that evade chance. It kind of goes with the territory, and we already know Homura is really good at dodging things. I, unless they're trying to tie her up. I do love how the ninja robot is just fast and does mostly strafing attacks. Doesn't do the stand-up fight. Yeah. Yep. Then she hides behind a clock tower and rains death from above on top of Kyoko. And tries to get in a sneak attack, but it's just a feint. And then she does a double sneak attack. <laughs> and manages to stab Kyoko's mech from behind. With the bayonet on the gun, it's great. It's pretty good, yeah. The beam bayonet. Come so, back to Madoka in the castle. Running through this hallway and just one of the other mecha spots her through a window and starts doing the reaching down the hallway after her thing. Yeah, we didn't mention, but Kyoko ordered her two lackeys, Mommy and Shishui, to murder this girl because she didn't know who she was, and that be how Kyoko rolls. She's just hangry. I mean, she did threaten to break all of Kiyosuke's limbs that one time as a favor <laughs> to Sayaka. <laughs> yeah, but that's a hobby. <laughs> and definitely not because she was jealous of him. So Monica's phone, as she's hiding behind a pillar, is apparently not getting any signal, and she's complaining about it. I yep. mean, she is in a labyrinth. Phones are consistently useless in Monica, so checks out. And then she's like, oh, this must be a dream. I really like this, actually. And she just tries to pray that it's a dream away, and then it's just like, nope, not a dream, running away now. Tyler, do you want to describe Mommy's outfit? Because you described it before we started. And... Um, it looks like she's wearing an Oshawott onesie, but also <laughs> she's wearing it like a striped bikini under the Oshawott onesie for some reason. Much weaker design than the first 12 episodes, if I say so. She's still got the boots, though, so that that's working. It just, I don't know, like they changed her color scheme. It's green now, which I guess kind of goes with her hair, but... But she no longer looks like cheese. 
Yeah, she no longer looks like cheese. Maybe that's intentional. Maybe she's moldy cheese. I don't know. Well, maybe Monica changed that about her to help her survive. Oh, okay. It's a survival <laughs> yeah, strategy. Okay, okay. I can see that. Although uh, it's weird that she uh, went that far. It's, yeah. I, I described it as it looked like she went to the beach in her pajamas, but also was ready to swim. So apparently Monica's phone is now working. Well, she gets a call from Homer, who weirdly is like, who are you? I guess because she doesn't remember Monica after the whole Monica doesn't exist anymore thing. I guess that tracks. I mean. And Monica's like, who am I? Who are you? What do you mean, magical girls? I'm in trouble. And I, I guess there's a war going on. I read about that. I didn't think it was in Japan, but there's a huge robot. And that's how we do war here in Japan. So please call the police, I guess, is my conclusion. <laughs> As uh, Kyoko's lackeys are destroying the building. I do love how Homura is kind of dismissive of this, which is weird for her. And it's just like, yeah, try to survive until I take care of this other part, this other character. Although, if this is a timeline where Homura has not yet Madoka, she wouldn't have any particular, like... We should also point out it's Kumura, specifically. Yes, but Kumura does say, hey, I'm going to come rescue you, which is not something Homura would normally do. So I think some of the affection for Madoka is bleeding into her from past timelines. That's possible. Madoka's just like, no, seriously, just call the police! There are no police! (laughs) (laughs) Do I I look like a cop? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, uh, she's still Batman. <laughs> she's still Batman. Anyway, she uh, hops out of cover to uh, use her ninja senses to attack Kyoko, but it's a decoy, and Kyoko's actually coming from above. She used substitution jutsu. It's more of like just a clone, robot clone jutsu. They do some more Dragon Ball Z robot fighting. It's not as well blocked as I would like, but it does look pretty cool. So Kyoko has taken the time that Homura was dodging to create a giant magic sigil and is doing basically Madoka's arrow attack from the but sky. But with fireballs. But Homura dodges because ninjas are more effective against AoE. And uh, Kyoko, still very hangry. Blaster rate, but in the center, but she's also a clone because it's always a clone. And uh, Homura uses the same trick of like ducking behind her, but Kyoko, you know, has the, you can't use the same trick on me twice. And then it goes into a slow-mo, which is maybe a reference to Homer's previous time-stop powers, but she doesn't seem to actually stop time. Yeah, it happens again later, though, so I was wondering about that. But uh, Kyoko gets a, like, grazing glance on the side of uh, Homer's bot. So Homer's like, you've improved. Which, of course, just pisses off Kyoko more, because she has no chill. Yeah, this edition of Kyoko, very, very angry all the time. Like, more so than normal, Kyoko. Also, their uh, magical girl stands um, are called Arminoxes, but they're like in the sub, they're all caps. Yes, Ar- it is Arminox and all caps. If I remember right. And Kyoko's like, my Arminox is much stronger than yours. So in a straight fight, I will win. And Homura's like, yes, but you suck. Yeah, good thing this isn't a straight fight. And she stabs the bayonet gun right through Kyoko's chest, being like, hey, I told you you can't beat me. And then and blasts then, her through. Yeah, it's uh, kind of neat. But it doesn't take Kyoko out right away. And Kyoko, I think, like, sets off this huge nuke right, like, right on top of themselves. Well, I was going to say, because there is a mech now, it is definitely just a Gundam self-destruct, right? No, but she fired at the ground to do something. So we cut over to Kyoko's lackeys, and Mommy's like, well, that's how it goes if you're weak, but you think you're great just because your parents are rich. Aren't they all rich? 
I don't think Kyoko is rich. Oh, yeah, Kyoko's but, not rich. Uh-huh. But I guess maybe, again, maybe Araka was like, you know what, Kyoko needs money. Oh, no, her dad <laughs> became a televangelist. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I think it was more uh, along the lines of Madoka was like, you know what, Kyoko could use her family back. And in doing that, her dad became a televangelist instead. Therefore, she got a shitload of money. Exactly. This new character, Suisho, is uh, kind of amusing, actually. Her robot is like a spooky ghost in all the possible quotes. And like she spots Madoka hiding behind a pillar and is just like, you know what? I do not care. Then Madoka sees like just this stage floating in the middle of the pr- very pretty lake. And it's, like, it's a castle in the sky from Castle in the Sky. Yeah. It's got a force field around it, though. From force field around the castle in the sky. <laughs> I was thinking <laughs> much it was like sequel. it was. It's like that uh, one Yu-Gi-Oh card where it's like the the haunted castle, castle. Of fly, uh, castle of dark illusions. Yes, the one that Yugi shoots its flotation ring to crush all the <laughs> monsters <laughs> on the other side of the field. Ah, uh, we should do a Yu-Gi-Oh podcast. Uh, <laughs> at my most insane, I did consider a daily Yu-Gi-Oh podcast where Monday I do an episode of the original anime, Tuesday GX, Wednesday card <laughs> oh, no. games on motorcycles. Oh, no. <laughs> There's one Yu-Gi-Oh series for every day of the week. If you count the uh, original Toei Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> oh, gee. I think you would die. Oh, I do too. <laughs> I can only imagine editing half of that. Yeah, no, I'd have to get an editor. I would not edit this nonsense. So Shishuo sees Madoka fleeing from the school, but she and Mommy run into each other and start fighting in a very chibi way, which gives Homura enough time to come to the rescue. And then you Homura know, makes the, an intimidation check. The, the SD look of these make it look a lot less intimidating. She's like, yo, Kyoko ran away. What are you guys going to do? Are you going to fight me now? And Mommy's <laughs> like, hell yeah, I will. <laughs> and Suisho's like, and I'm out. I think from the start, I think Suisho is probably my favorite edition of this, of these characters. She is a fun character. So then Mommy starts running away as well. But psych, it's a trick. And then she nukes the school from orbit. I don't think that's uh, that. That's not uh, Yo, you're Mommy. Right. That's somebody else. You're right. It is the sniper who's far off. This is a new character who's like, we did it. And then she's got two people on her screen being like, we clearly missed. And she's pissed off at her support, who apologized to her. And then she's not in this episode. <laughs> yeah, so we don't even get her name. So we cut back to uh, Homura <laughs> is shielding Madoka, and one of the arms falls off of her mech to reveal this fact. Yeah, because she put the hands around her to shield her. And then Homura comes out of the cockpit to be like... like materializes out. It, she doesn't walk out of the cockpit, she just materializes in thin air. And Madoka falls in love immediately. Again, she doesn't remember, but she knows. <laughs> and so Homer's like, what's that in your arms? And she's like, oh, a lunchbox. And she's like, no, why is it a lunchbox? <laughs> and uh, so we do a quick, like, 15-second time skip or so here. And Homer and Madoka are sitting on a, like, a fallen pillar. And Homer's just going to town on this lunchbox. Yeah, say so Homer apparently stole Kyoko's appetite. And Madoka's like, man, I've never seen anyone go to town on a lunch like that. Is it good? And she's like, no, it's ordinary. It tastes one magical girl. <laughs> and causing Madoka to be depressed. And I like, will say, Homura did gain, like, a foot of height, at least. She's always been tall. Yes, but now she is toweringly tall. Like, this character version of Homura feels like she's as tall as me. 
Anyway, Monica's like, so can you tell me what's going on? And Homer's like, this isn't the normal world. She's like, right. Did I get isekai That's a very popular trope now. <laughs> and she looks so happy at this possibility. Yeah, and and then Homer like, just shoots no. her down. No, this is a labyrinth created by magic coconuts. <laughs> it's a witch we have to fight probably. Who knows? Anyway, I'm no, not going to- probably something Cube is doing. Weird uh, that he doesn't pop up yeah, in he's here. he's not in this episode. I didn't even realize that. So Homer's like, we'll return to our own world soon. It'll be fine. Anyway, whose kid are you? And Monica's like, what? This is a second season, not a sequel. Also, it's only lesbian couples in this show. We'd all have to adopt. So like, <laughs> would you even pass down? Wouldn't we warn our kids, hey, stay away from creepy talking demon rats? And then uh, Homer asks what a pickled plum is, proceeds to eat it after Monica mentions it, and uh, has to spit it out immediately. She's got the greatest expression there. So, Which is weird. You'd think Homer would have had a pickled plum before. Who's going to feed her? She has only eaten hospital food. You think they have pickled plums at hospital? <laughs> at hospital. So Monica asks Homer her name. And she's like, I'm Homer. Homer Akemi. And Monica's like, oh, I'm Monica Kaname. We're both named after the moon. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> we should be best friends. And Homer is like, yes, I, yes. Um, this, like, it gives it us fades. a shot of, like, them in silhouette with the background out there. And that really felt like it was the end of the episode. When, when I was, was going to say, this. don't read anything romantic into this shot specifically. Don't worry. So uh, we, we cut out to Kyoko, who's fixing her mech. Before we get to that, Kevin and I are reading the Madoka manga for uh, Jumpstart Weekly to tie into this. All of the first pages of the volumes have these beautiful color illustrations. And the one for the second volume is the most definitely nothing romantic here sh- uh, drawing of Madoka and Homer I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, like Zach said, Kyoko is fixing her mech with magic and being like, oh, I'll never catch up with this current rate. And she's very frustrated about this, as is her want. And then we cut back to Homer and Madoka. We just burnt at where homer is explaining how there's a tournament between all the magical girls and the winner gets to become god and monica's like i thought i was no never mind (laughs) and homer's like looks like you didn't understand a word of that and And monica's like like, yes there's a reason and homer's like i should explain and sits down adorably i I love the jump cut to that actually (laughs) that she is already sitting and monica has to proceed to also sit so she's like there are magical girls and monica's like wait really (laughs) And she's like, oh, God. Okay, so in ancient times, Cleopatra was a magical girl, and I guess like Joan of Arc, and I think a lot of people in World War II. <laughs> the- <laughs> anyway, it was a bad juju, so we decided to not do magical girls anymore. But every hundred years or so, we have a tournament to decide who gets to be the queen of the magical girls and take over all the magic. And that's going on right now. So, okay. Is this like the entire this season? Yes. Is this okay. tournament? Okay. There's complications, of course, but yes. Okay. And she's like, anyway, the seal on magic is magic coconuts. (laughs) (laughs) You can see it right over there. Whoever wins gets to go claim it and get all the magic. And some coconuts. Oh, man. Do you think the winner of this gets turned into this uber-powered witch? Oh, yeah. That's got to be QB's angle, right? right? Yeah. Clearly, it's a a monkey's paw of some sort, right? Oh, it's got to be. So mommy starts getting up, being like, hey, who sniped me like six years ago? <laughs> it must have been that pink-haired girl and that ninja. And so Homer is like, get out of here, Monica. But mommy's like, well, Penny's from heaven. If she ain't injured, now's my chance. Hey, Shishuo, come help me. 
I, I guess she left and is just, you know, going off doing her own thing now. I will also point out they basically pilot these things like G Gundam cockpits, and that's kind of cool. It's not quite G Gundam it's cockpits. It's more of like uh, marionettes. Yeah. Yeah, it's very similar puppet themes to stuff we've seen before. I really like it as a, mo- control a mech scheme. Yeah, mech control, but it's magic. So mommy's like, I'm going to make Kyoko bow down to me. There's nothing sapphic about this at all either. <laughs> she is very angry. Uh, well, she's been under Kyoko for who knows how long. In this particularly very angry version of Kyoko. And she doesn't have a family, I don't think, still. So we cut to Monica, who is running away, and then she hears someone say, I mustn't run away. I mustn't run away. And she's like, that doesn't sound like me, but it does sound right. And so she stares up at the moon, which is regular now, and, then and she is becomes, blinking. I was to say, and then she becomes a giant monkey. <laughs> she doesn't have a tail. So and she's staring at the magic coconuts. And gears and everything start to spin. And we see a blue flame on the screen sort of pulsing. And Monica looks like she might be in pain, like she's turning into a magical girl. And then the moon starts sending her an SOS. <laughs> and she magical girl transforms. Well, first she gets hit by the guardian laser. She uh, should have shield buried that. You know, I don't know what to think about her magical girl transformation here. On the one hand, it's not nearly as you know, innocent cinnamon roll as her other outfit is. But it's not quite her goddess level thing. It actually looks more like she's wearing a fur-lined skirt because it's going to be cold. It looks very knightish to me. Like, this is the female set for knights in Final Fantasy fourteen. if that was a class. That's what it looks like to me. Okay. Yeah, no, I can see that. Have I complained about how the White Mage level 90 set gets all these ribbons like a magical girl if you're a girl and you wear it, but boys don't get the ribbons and it's bullshit and I want the ribbons? <laughs> no, you have not complained about this before. You have well, not. I, well, I, I want the ribbons. I should point out you can just get yourself a Fanta. Yeah, I have a Fanta, but I don't want to be a girl, Zach. I want to be a boy with the ribbons. <laughs> anyway, Madika summons her Arminox, which... Is very Gundam-like in its color scheme. It's white and pink with a bit of gold on it. It's got weird, like, Bell Vulcan-looking things on its head. It also kind of has a cat aesthetic to it. Yeah, sort of. Although it also has, like, a unicorn horn, almost. It's more like a knight. I was thinking the the bells on it. It reminds, and the, the face has a very feels like feels very cat like to me. It reminds me a lot of uh, SD Tolgies, actually. Okay, oh, that's a good point. I can see that. So Monica's like, I'm in the robot, finally. What do I do? Where's the Shinji Ikari when we need one? <laughs> and so in a bunch of, like, text starts popping up, presumably in a language she doesn't understand, and Monica has, like, the one of those great extreme blank faces before starts, she starts complaining about not understanding any of it. So Monica's like, ah, oh, she can't move and is a novice. Talk about a double Sunday. <laughs> sure thing, Raditz. So she creates a destructo disc and then summons batlings. Owls, I think, actually. Yeah, because the weird onesie she's wearing has an owl on it for some reason. So Homura calls Madoka and is like, hey, don't believe in yourself. Believe in the me that believes in you <laughs> and your heart. Just believe that you can do it. You'll be fine. <laughs> I was going to say, if we ever did a, a dub of this one, I just wanted to cut in going, I believe I can fly. And Monica's like, what? And Please Homer don't. just keeps singing. Please don't sing. So Monica starts chanting to herself. To envision it, just doing some I- sweet image training as she's getting laser-eyed by the owlbats. 
really inconsistent but power set on these. Damn, she's got some really heavy armor on that thing. So the Albat turns into a death boomerang destructo disc, and they're about to hit her when she finally manages to envision it good enough that we see strings go around the flame in her heart, and then her eyes start glowing. I was going to say she's under the effect of a Gios. <laughs> I think she has summoned her own Gios without having contact with the uh, C2 or one of them. And she has a beam saber, which she uses to kill a bunch of owls. And Mommy's like, how dare you destroy my cute owls? Punts Homura, proving that apparently Mommy is a good pilot. Yes. And charges straight into Madoka. With golden wings and everything. But then Madoka pulls him. Uh, well, actually, first... Mommy summons a tornado attack. Again, really inconsistent power set, I feel. There should be a giant rifle. I mean, they're spirals, which are kind of her thing. Yeah, that's fair. But Monica blocks it with her hand and a giant barrier. And her eyes are still glowing like she's a Super Saiyan, so it's probably not a good time to fight her. Then she materializes a sword and pulls it out, and it is one of those giant, like, shining finger sword-style yeah. beam sabers. Shining sword sword! <laughs> and just, like, absolutely rips through... Mommy's tornadoes. And it basically, I say beam saber. It, imagine if a Kamehameha was a beam saber. Yeah, yeah. Just, she just vaporizes. That's what she gets mommy. for being Raditz. Don't lose your entire corporeal so form. Over not it. only does, does Mommy go out first in the actual series, even here in this uh, season two, she goes out immediately. Well, don't fight God. Fight the I guess devil. that is a good point. Don't fight God. She's good at that. Oh, that's a good point. Where is Mommy at the end of Rebellion? Standing right next to Kyoko? No, that's Sayaka. She's standing next to Nagisa, saving her from all the cheese that's falling on her. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> oh, no, you're right. I was For whatever reason, I was thinking when you said the end, I was thinking when they go out of back the to the real yes. world before Yeah, before Mm-hmm. So Monica's like, oh, man, what now? As she's consumed in a red beam of light. And we cut to all the other girls who are kind of watching this from afar. And the beam of light shoots into magic coconuts. And uh, gives like a, a symbol on one of the lights. Yep. Okay. And now there is a glowing light on the magic coconuts. Hear me out. Before Monica got her suit, there were only five balls on magic coconuts. And now there are six balls on magic coconuts. That it does seem to be true. It created a new ball for Monica. What could it mean? Just one more and our wish will come true and then Kiyube will take advantage of it. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. Kind of wild. Not as nearly as good as stuff in the first season, but we are starting off something new and it was also a slow start in season one. This one kind of went much faster than I feel like the first episode of Monica did. This feels a lot more like stereotypically shonen I'm, like, I'm kind of wondering what they're going to do with it. It feels a lot less like uh, the more psychological aspect that Monica was going for. All right. Do you have a high point, Tyler? Hmm. I'm going to say ninja tricks, just in general. Specifically the one where Homura is, like, standing behind the thing and, like, using her ninja tethers to wait for uh, Kyoko's, or to, like, detect Kyoko's approach. And, like, hops out and then falls for a ninja decoy and then pulls a ninja decoy herself later. Zach. I think I want to give it to uh, Madoka's shining finger sword, partially due to uh, Madoka's expressions. Oh, you know what? It, she okay. has some pretty great expressions through here. Because it is Madoka, it is a one-person love-love Tenkyoken. She does love herself. Exactly. 
I'm going to give it to Homer's whole ninja aesthetic, particularly her mecha design, I really like, but the whole aesthetic together, I think, really works for her. Yeah, it's a very interesting redesign. Like, seeing this, I'm like, why didn't they just make her a ninja originally? Because this is, it's a good design on her. Because it's too obvious. Ninjas don't have shields. Yeah, that's fair. Tyler, do you have a low point? I feel like the, the whole beginning of the episode took a little too long to ramp up, which... Sounds weird because the entire episode was fast, but I felt like we spent a lot of time just faffing about the castle. Yeah, faffing about the castle is my band name. (laughs) Zach, do you have a low point? I think I might have to give it to you. How long Mommy takes to get back up, it's like, oh wait, I remember I was still within the blast radius, and hey, I'm still here. I'm going to say no Modica's mom. Again, we feel like we should start with that. Yeah, Like, we have no idea. Yeah, Monica immediately gets into the robot, which seems to have maybe fewer implications of becoming a magical girl in the original season. Unless it was more of an implication contract type of thing, because she did apparently do something to get it to get the mech. Yeah, it's just like I think that was one of the uh, pieces that made Monica's decision like hard in the first place. Is like she has a family and friends. And in this, she immediately thinks she got isekai'd, and she had all the character development of an average isekai character before they get isekai'd. All right, Tyler, who is best girl? Did this episode change it for you? Uh, no, it's still Homura. Zach, who's best girl? Uh, it's got to be Homura here. Yeah, it's Homura. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Do we want to finally add Madoka to our list of goddesses? Uh, yeah, you know, we, we fit... <laughs> I'm surprised that we didn't do this at the end. I, I knew you were making us wait. Um, is she even a goddess? I guess she was for a while. So, yeah. Oh, I thought we had Ishtar on there. No, remember, I wanted to put Ishtar and we did Bast instead. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, my bad. So the other goddess we have who is a magical girl on this list is goddess of love and beauty, Sailor Venus, at number two. As much as I love Monica, I feel like I love everything that happens around Monica, whereas Sailor Venus is just unironically awesome on her own. See, I've, I've got problems with it is mostly because, like, Sailor Venus, I have two distinct versions of Sailor Venus in my head. And it's is one like, of them a robot. The, well, there's, there's, <laughs> Sailor, I guess there's three then. There's Sailor Venus uh, from Crystal, Sailor Venus the, from your The real one. Sailor Venus. <laughs> and then there's uh, G Gundam Sailor Venus. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's difficult for me to say if I think she's better or worse than Madoka. I'm saying I feel much safer if the world is in Madoka's hands than Minako Aino's hands. Yeah, I think I, I got to agree with that because Minako tends to be a little dopey at times. All right, so are we saying above? Yeah, I think yeah it so. sounds like, yeah. Okay, then is she better than her fellow pinkette, my own personal satanic goddess, Lacus Klein, beautiful, perfect angel? <laughs> I think I have to say I think Madoka is better than Lacus. Because, Them's fighting words. Well, hear, hear, hear me out. The reason is simply because Lacus's power comes from sicking her boyfriend on you. Madoka just has the power of a god. Lacus Klein's power is I command the freedom. Okay, hear me, hear me <laughs> I out. I command though. the pilot of the freedom. If Lacus had god powers, this is my argument for putting her above Sailor Venus, she could just soliloquy the entire universe into submission, right? Like, I, I know that's Would that I, I work on Homer? I know that's why huh. you said that was why you were putting her above Sailor Venus in the first place. But I feel like while she might be able to do that with goddess powers, it's a matter of Madoka's respect for free will is why she doesn't just subdue the world. Oh, she has the power to do that. Have respect for free will. She will strong arm no, you into doing that. That is why wants. I think Monica goes above Lacus Klein. And, see, and uh, hilariously, that is why I argue that Lacus <laughs> goes above Monica. <laughs> so. 
Um, <laughs> Although I feel like Lacus would have the respect for free will. That's why she lets Kira go back in the first place. That's also why she sets up an offer that Athrun can't refuse. She doesn't set up the... She gives him the offer and says, here's your option. No, she... But she, she gives him the respect to make his own choice. She just doesn't let him know that she already made the choice for it. Yeah, I was going to say, she just straight up manipulates she, him into making the she choice let him the ma- She let him make the choice... But she chose what the choice meant. So that that means that Lacus is just a very good GM. Uh, yes. All, all choices lead to Rome. Oh, man. Lacus is a GM. I feel like that'd be a great game. <laughs> uh, so Although I think there'd that, be very little conflict in it, I feel like. I, I think this comes down... Well, hmm. Well, I think this comes down to you, Jeremy. And I think we both yes. know which way you fall. Yes, we so. do. <laughs> so Monica Kaname goes at number two, above Sailor Venus and below Lacus Klein. Pretty high, though. Yeah. I mean, top top two. I love how much lower on the list regular Venus is than Sailor Venus. <laughs> she saw, Look, you argued her higher because of the painting, and I have to agree, it's a good painting. That's the only good thing Venus did. She's just worse Aphrodite, and Aphrodite ain't a great goddess. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, I recently started reading Lore Olympus, and that has only reaffirmed my impression. All right, so that'll do it for this episode. We will be back with Season 2, Episode 2, Why I'm Here. Until then... April Fools! This was about Grand Belm. There's only 12 episodes of Monica, you idiots. <laughs>